Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, calm parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam, and today I'm talking with parent coach Trish Wilkinson. Patricia Wilkinson is a mom of two kids who had challenges they now use as strengths in successful relationships and careers. She's a founder of Brain Stages Parenting, co-author of Brain Station Stages, How to Raise Smart, Confident Kids and Have Fun Doing It, veteran teacher, and science nerd. Trish shares kid-tested, research-supported tips to raise successful humans in our complicated world. Welcome, Trish. I am so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to you today, too. I love talking to parents about teens because there's so much anxiety about raising teens because that's when they start you know, pushing back a little more. <laughs> And and it's such an opportunity. I mean, it's, you know, so many things in life, obstacle or opportunity, right? But I feel like with our teenagers, it's just such an opportunity to get closer and, and build relationships with them. Yeah. And I wanted to, I want to dig into that because I think that's such a key point. We often see teens as this phase where they're going to push away and we kind of separate and it can be a time to really connect and strengthen our relationship when we kind of approach it right. Before we dig in, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started coaching parents. Oh my gosh. Well, actually it was my daughter who was the one who said, you know, mom, I have a lot of friends. So both of my kids have attention issues and auditory processing and, you know, just various kinds of challenges And apples come from apple trees. I mean, I didn't even realize that I had some of these same issues too until I started getting into it. Um, Notice I did not say attention deficit hyperactivity disorder because we are no longer, I mean, we are no more deficient or disordered than anyone else. Just our brains work a little differently. So when you figure out how to, you know, work with brains who function that way, I mean, my kids have just completely taken off in their 20s. But getting them there was rough. And when my daughter was seven, we had a complete, my older daughter, we had a complete meltdown where I just felt like, oh my gosh, I had been teaching all these years, preschool and elementary school by the time we had kids. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, Trish, you're supposed to know this stuff. Kids are your wheelhouse. You are a terrible mom. And I realized that what I had been doing, what I had learned being raised by my own family, you know, and my own parents just wasn't working anymore for how my child's brain worked, how, what was going on in society. Our world has just become a lot more complicated. So I, after we had that meltdown when she was seven, I just, you know, talked to pediatricians and psychologists and neurologists and, you know, just read a bunch of books and articles and, you know, studies, pretty much whatever I could get my hands on to figure out. And, you know, I tried all kinds of things and kept tweaking it until we started getting along great. You know, we went from friction to just having great conversations and a lot of laughter just brought all the humor back into our family. And 
Um, and so now I help lots of other families do that too. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times we make a, decisions about our kids mm-hmm. and, you know, because of things that happen when they're little, they get reputations. And when we realize that there are things that we can do that we have the power to just tweak our communication a little bit and just recreate those relationships, it's amazing. And it's so much fun to do with our kids. Just And I love doing that with parents and just helping them recreate those relationships with their kids. So what would you attribute um, to some of the biggest what, what did you change that attributed it to some of the biggest changes in your relationship with your kids? I think largely, well, three things. It's reboot, relate, and reset routines. So the first thing I did is I learned how to reboot my brain when I would get upset. Mm. Because what I realized was when I would get triggered, it was because of things that had happened in my past that I had completely forgotten about. So I had to kind of do some soul searching, figuring out why does when they, when they do certain things, why does that upset me so much? And then I came up with this little 90 second routine that I teach other parents now that helps me physically reboot my brain. Because when we get in stuck in the limbic system and the emotion centers of our brain, we can't think. And that's when we say and do the things that we regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that was one thing. And then relate, learning just small shifts in communication. And in, for example, instead of telling my kids what to do, just telling them what I notice and letting them talk to me. Because a lot of times I realized, oh my gosh, what I thought was going on wasn't what they were thinking at all. <laughs> you know, but I would make assumptions about what they were thinking. And then, so for example, when my daughter would come in and I would say, and I say my daughter, I had two daughters. One was just much easier. Our personalities just meshed a lot better. Mm -hmm. The other one, we had a much more tumultuous relationship and I had to really figure out how, how to communicate with her. So one of the things was she would come home and I'd say, how was your day? And she'd say, fine and walk away. (laughs) And I think that's really common, but I think for, um, but For her, if she came in and I said, hey, great to see you. And then I would just notice what the look on her face. Mm -hmm. Hmm, You seem thoughtful or you seem happy or whatever I noticed on her face. And then I was just quiet. Mm -hmm. It was amazing to me the things that she would tell me. She just started opening up. And then I got to really know what was going on for her. And just that one tiny thing made such a difference in our relationship. Just telling her what I noticed because then she would feel seen. Now I know it's because her brain felt safe. You know, our brains have to feel safe in order to communicate and or learn or do pretty much anything because we have to feel safe and out of the limbic system so we can be in the prefrontal cortex in a thinking centers of our brain. And you know, I didn't know all that necessarily at the time since writing brain stages, I've done a lot more of the, um, of that kind of research. So mm-hmm. now I know physically, and we've made lots of discoveries in yeah. the last 10 years or so. So, but definitely just that little bit and, and problem solving with her. Oh my gosh, what a difference that made because I would think, she was the problem. She would think I was the problem. When I would sit down with her and say, okay, 
this is what I'm noticing about whatever's going on. For example, she was getting late when she getting home late when she was in high school. And I'd say, from my perspective, what I see is that you're getting home late and I'm worried. It mm-hmm. just worries me when I don't hear from you. You know, it scares me. I think, how am I going to know if something, and I know you think, or I shouldn't say that. I'm assuming that you think that you are going to be safe, but me being home and not knowing what's going on, I don't know that. And my mind immediate goes, immediately goes to the worst thing because I love you and it's my responsibility to keep you safe. And if something is happening, I want to, you know, I want to know if I need to, you know, come and get you somewhere or. <laughs> yeah. And, and so when I would say it like that, and I'd say is, so that's my experience, but you're, but what I'm understanding your feeling is you want that independence. You want to feel like you should be able to do what you want to do because you're responsible and you are generally responsible. Is that right? So I would ask her, I would tell her my perception and say, is that right? And then she could let me know she'd fill in the gaps, you know, and she would say, you know, sometimes mom, I just, I just lose track of time. You know, so one of the things we did is we had her set the timer on her phone for certain Mm -hmm. things, which I have to do too, because I, you know, I have attention issues too. I get, and we have this thing called hyper-focus. So we get super focused on something and the rest of the world falls away, which is great for creativity and, you know, developing things and learning things. I mean, there, it's great for a lot of things, but you can get lost and miss stuff if you're not careful. So she learned to set her foot. So one of the things we came up with in problem solving is I'd say, is, is that right? She would tell me her perception. And then I would say, well, can let's think of some things that might work for both of us. And we just write it down. Some kids, it works to write down things for some kids. It doesn't for her. She liked to be the writer, the one to write things down. Um, if I've had other parents that I've coached that their that their kids didn't want to write things down, but it made them feel important when their parents would write things down. So it just, you know, all kids are different, but to just come up with different ideas, some kids, it doesn't work at all to write anything down. You just have to keep it in your memory and they're pretty good at remembering things, but it's insulting or upsetting to them when you write things down. So it just depends on the kid. But we came up with several ideas for what would work. And one of the things we came up with was setting alarm on your phone because she had her phone with her a lot in high school. And that was something that was easy to do. And it made, and she started using it for a lot of things, like not just for coming home or texting me or calling me or whatever, but also for other things that she had to do. And it became part of her routine. And now she's a really successful software engineer. (laughs) who, you know, who runs a team of software engineers. And if she didn't know how to keep her time and, you know, organize that stuff, then she wouldn't be able to do what she's doing now. So just by problem solving with her and sitting down and having the respect to say, you know, this is my perspective. I'm seeing this, or actually I would do her perspective first. I'd say, okay, this is what I'm seeing is going on with you. Is that right? And she always had something that she would straighten Mm -hmm. out for me. which was great because there was always something that I wasn't catching. Even if she didn't realize something I wasn't catching, she would come up with something (laughs) 
to kind of correct me and be part of this, you know, perception. And then I would tell her my perspective and I'd say, you know, let's see if we can figure it out and come out somewhere in the middle. And we just, just in doing that, when we would have a problem with something, it brought us closer in so many other ways. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, so many things that happened in that moment when you changed your approach, which I think the, the most typical approach to kids coming home late is punitive. We're going to punish you, take the phone away, take away privileges until you learn how to do this better until you come home, because I'm seeing it as something disrespectful. What you did. um, And what I also, I agree because I teach parents this as well is step back and say, why was she late? Let's figure this out together. And now suddenly you took a moment that could have been this moment of conflict into a moment of connection. And you're teaching her skills that she can use moving forward. So now instead of just feeling shame and bad about doing something wrong, she's like, oh, this is why here's a solution. I I mean, just the whole package of being able to problem solve with your kids has so many immense, you know, positives to it. Well, that's true. And the other thing is, for me, it was really helpful to find out what was going on in the brain. If she came home and I got upset, if I was already all emotional when she came home, like I would do my 90 second sequence because she'd be late. I'd be, you know, and I noticed right before we had this interview, you know, this discussion, you have okay, I want you to try breathing a few times. So you're not so nervous, which I do these all the time for people. So I wasn't nervous, but I tell people, I tell parents to do that all the time. Breathe, do, you know, count in for inhale to the count of four, exhale to the count of four, because it works with your parents and your sympathetic and parasympathetic Mm -hmm. systems to physically calm your body. I mean, there's all kinds of science to back that up. The other thing is, if I just approach her the way I talked to you about, it doesn't put her in the emotion centers. She doesn't get stuck. Whereas if I'm stuck in the emotion centers, and then as soon as she walks in the door, I put her in the emotion centers, everybody's stuck there. And then you're stuck there wherever. And then this, her coming home late becomes a trigger. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. She's already worried about coming home late because she knows I'm going to freak out and she's probably going to get punished. Yeah. Whereas if she comes home and we work it out and problem solve and come up with a way for her to deal with it, then we're not in the emotion centers and we can figure it We can use our brains to figure it out because our brains are all, you know, about keeping us safe, fight, flight, or freeze, mm-hmm. right? So if we put them immediately in that fight, flight, or freeze, <laughs> then, then we're not going to be able to, we're going to exacerbate the problem and make it worse. Yeah. And do how do you, I know that? Because I did that plenty myself. I don't want to, I don't want to come off as this person is, oh, I was super. Remember, I'm the one who came up with all this stuff because I was a failure when she was seven years old and it went in and out of that. I mean, I made mistakes all along the way. But that's what I found worked. Well, and I think what's really cool is where we are right now is where we are right now as a parent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean where you are tomorrow can be better. 
So it's not about feeling bad about where you are right now and saying, oh, I'm a terrible parent. It's about going, okay, I'm not showing up the way I would want to show up. I want to show up differently. I want a different relationship with my teen than how it is right now. What can I do tomorrow that's different than today to get me closer to the relationship I want or to become closer to the parent I want to be? I think that's a really important message because there's so many landmines when it comes to parenting and parents take everything very, very personally, especially when it comes to parenting, because we want to be great parents. We do. And if we don't feel like we're being great parents, we're very sensitive to that. Isn't that true? (laughs) Yeah. So I think just saying, hey, there's different things you can try to be different. Now, would you be willing to share your 90 second process with us? Oh, absolutely. So remember, we talked about breathing. So here's the really amazing thing about our bodies. Our bodies actually register. So with the, with the brainstem and into the spinal cord, our bodies actually register physically a physical reaction before our brains catch up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if we can learn to recognize whatever that trigger is, like for me, I get this hollowness in my chest and my breath catches. Um, I have worked with parents who their jaw gets tight or they clench their fists or their shoulders get tight. But, and it may take you a couple of days, but now that we're talking about it, I bet in the next couple of days, you'll recognize whatever that trigger is. But our bodies actually register before our brains catch up when we're triggered, when our brains are shifting into the emotion centers. And if we can catch that, it only takes 90 seconds for the cortisol to work through our brain. If we don't catch it and we don't do any breathing, we don't do anything, that anger and upset and fear, because most fear, most anger comes from fear at its core. So then it can last up to 20 minutes. But if you can catch that physical sensation that you get when you're angry or when you're just getting angry and you take that deep breath, count to four, inhale, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, and think of a physical anchor. Like for me, it's my feet because I'm tall. So whether I'm standing or sitting, my feet are on the floor. So I think of my feet because it brings me back in the room and it helps me to close my eyes. Some, some people close their eyes, some don't, but if you inhale, exhale, concentrate on a physical body part, I have a parent who isn't so tall. So she focuses on her hands on her thighs. Mm -hmm. Um, The one I told you about her shoulders get tight. She focuses on her shoulders, relaxing, like breathing and relaxing her shoulders Um, but, and there's no right or wrong. I'm just giving you a few examples. Yeah. So breathe in, breathe out physical anchor to bring you back into the room and get you out of the emotion centers to get like, okay, you can handle this. And you tell yourself something like for me, I say, I can do this. Or I have a parent that says, I got this. Um, I have another parent that says, I'm okay. Another one that says, I deserve peace. So it's, it's whatever you choose. So it's, you feel that physical trigger, inhale, exhale, physical anchor, and tell yourself your phrase, I got this. And then you do a couple more breaths because it takes 90 seconds. 
So it takes only about 20 seconds to do that first part. And then you just do a few more breaths. And then, and you, if you teach that to your child, if you teach that to your teen, it not only gives them another tool, but they also understand that your trigger trigger has been tripped. And if you talk to them about, you know, sometimes when my trigger gets tripped, it's not even about you. It's something that's happened to me somewhere in my life. And, you know, it doesn't even have to do with you, but my trigger has been tripped. And if you just give me that 90 seconds, and then they learn to respect you for you to, for you to be able to work through whatever, especially after the first couple times. And they realize, oh, mom's calmed down. We don't, we're not going to have a fight over this. Yeah. And then they learn to do that too. Wow, is this a great tool for teens as well, this 90 seconds. That is because great. It te- it's, it's an emotion, you know, we're always talking about emotional control, which is one of the three parts of um, executive function is how, you know, how do we control our emotions? And a lot of times we don't give kids the tools, but we can't give kids the tools that we don't have ourselves. And, and this is something that, you know, I came up with, you know, that I learned, I was listening to a, an audiobook or something. I don't know. I don't remember where it came from, but it came from one of the books that I read along the way. And then I just kind of modified it to work for me. Mm-hmm. So that's what works for me. And that's what I tell parents to do. And that's what works for a lot of people now. <laughs> that's amazing. And one of the things I love about this too, it's about, again, changing our behavior. And then once we're able to figure out how to modify our behavior, then we can invite our teens and teach our teens, which gives them the tools. Like you said, if we don't have tools for ourselves, then it's hard to give our teens. And I think it's really important where you're saying, I love the tripping the, you know, tripping our triggers, kind of the trip wire. Once we're both in that state, nobody's coming out of it, right? We're just going to feed each other in that state. So, and our teens definitely aren't going to come out of it. So I think we get mad and get mad when they get mad back. But what we're doing is fueling their anger and their emotion so actually we're tripping their anger and their emotions. Yeah. When yeah. we get angry about something they do, because they usually don't do things intentionally to upset. I mean, sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't do things intentionally to upset us. Yeah. They, you know, they'll yeah. end up doing something that upsets us and, and not even realize that they've tripped over a landmine. <laughs> no. And they, I mean, they don't want to get in trouble. And it's not that they want to hide what they're doing to not get in trouble. They don't want to do stuff to get in trouble. But a lot of times they don't even know, they step on landmines, they don't even know we're there. Right. And I think- And here's the thing about communicating the way I'm talking about with them, it creates a whole new level of respect. Mm -hmm. And, And before I figured out this way to calm down, before I talked to her and the problem solving thing- I mean, she didn't have a lot of respect for me and I blamed her for not having a lot of respect for me. And once I started doing those two things, rebooting my brain, like I was talking about and problem solving with her. Wow. What a difference. I mean, we have a wonderful relationship now, but I will tell you, (laughs) I mean, we, we really went through a lot of 
hills and valleys over the years. And, and I think that's part of parenting too, that we have to allow ourselves to go through those hill, hills and valleys because we're learning while they're learning. Yeah. And I mean, nobody is born knowing a lot of this stuff. Nobody and, is. <laughs> well, I mean, and my, my mom and dad didn't have any of these tools and, mm-hmm. and we didn't even know a lot of the stuff that we know now. So it's not even fair to expect that our parents knew what no. we know now. Mm-mm. So, and, and isn't it great there that there are people around like you and me <laughs> who actually work with people and, you know, let, let them know, Hey, these are the things that we're finding work, both evidence-based and kid tested. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like the kid tested piece of it. Cause it's so true. It's like, there's a lot of ideas out there. Some of them are completely unrealistic and not everything works with everyone's different dynamic with their, them and their kids. It's a different dynamic every place. Well, so you've got to try different, different stuff. Yeah. You got to yeah. try different things. Um, Oh, there was something I wanted to say. Now I forget what it was about what you said. Um, That's all right. So Trish, how do people find you? Just go to thebrainstages.com. That's easy. Oh, and yeah, thebrainstages.com. And there's a tab on there that says screen time or, or healthy screen time. So many parents are struggling with screen time. And here's the thing. Screen time can be great for kids and for us. And we're not giving up our light bulbs for going back to candles anytime soon, right? Right. I mean, we're on a podcast right now. We're not giving up our electronics either. So why not learn what the science says about screen time and how to make it a healthy thing for kids? So right now it's, it's a mini course. It's normally $19, but if they use, uh, um, if they use it's, screen time, healthy screen time, 2021. I thought I knew this before I talked to you. Sorry, Cam. You gave me a code 2021 best year yet. Has it changed? Oh no, that was for, um, that was for the problem solving. Oh, oh yeah, that is enjoy your kids through problem solving. Okay. Well, they can do that one too. That that's (laughs) just a bar that slides down the top. But also they can just go to, they can just contact me when they go to Trish at the brain, or they can just contact me when they go to thebrainstages.com if they want the screen time, because screen time is so important. But lately I've been giving away screen time instead of problem solving, because problem solving sounds more, you know, nebulous to people, but we've been talking about it. So, and screen time for a lot of people is just like, I don't know what to do about this. And, and it's really not that hard, but if you have the screen time and the problem solving, then you go, then you know what to do with screen time and how to fix the problem. <laughs> All right. You problem solve with your kids, how to handle screen time. I think that's right, but, the whole but, thing, right? And you learn what healthy screen time looks like, yeah. what's healthy, what's not, what the science says, because it's like anything else, you know, having a glass of wine every now and then isn't going to hurt you. But if you're drinking all the time, that's not good for you. And screen time is kind of the same thing. Yeah. And what you do on the screens too. I think right. it's, it's what you're consuming rather than how much you're consuming sometimes. And so it's looking at that, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. So, and we're out of time, but so maybe we'll have that topic later. So thank you, Trish, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. And I always like talking to you. We're just kindred spirits. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right there. And parents, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teen succeed, you can grab my top 10 parenting tips at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips, all one word. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and the helpful strategies Trish shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find this show. And I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. In the meantime, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.